You're watching Formosa News. I'm Ken Lee. Welcome to the program. The U.S. media have been unanimous in reporting that the Democratic candidate Joe Biden has won the presidential election based on the number of electoral votes he has already received. Early Sunday morning, President Tsai Ing-wen congratulated Biden on Twitter. She also attached a congratulatory tweet that Biden had sent her when she was re-elected president earlier this year. Later in the morning, Tsai convened a meeting of top-level national security officials to discuss any possible changes in Taiwan-U.S. relations that might result from a new U.S. president. On the streets of New York, people waved American flags in an enormously high mood as they soaked up the atmosphere of Biden's victory. The headlines of major American newspapers all declared that Biden had been elected president. President Tsai also congratulated Biden on Twitter, attaching Biden's congratulatory tweet he sent her upon re-election at the beginning of this year. She said that now it was her turn to extend congratulations to Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris on being elected US President and Vice President. She said she looked forward to working together to further their friendship. In the morning, she also convened a meeting of her national security officials to discuss Taiwan-U.S. relations. There is such a deep abiding friendship between our two nations and such a large economic trade and multifaceted relationship. I believe that in the future, under the leadership of President Biden, the U.S. will definitely attach more importance to Taiwan-U.S. relations. As central government officials delivered a chorus of congratulations on Biden's win, local mayors and county commissioners didn't want to be left out. Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhou wrote on Facebook that he, as the mayor of Taipei, hoped to deepen city-to-city -city exchanges on the existing basis of municipal relations. New Taipei City Mayor Ho Yo Yi then said that Taiwan and the US were fighting together side by side. For the Republic of China, the US is a friendly country that fights shoulder to shoulder with us. Everyone works hard to cooperate. Transcending its political parties, Taiwan sent out its congratulations. After the fervor subsides, observers will wait and see how Taiwan-U.S. relations strengthen in future. Now that Joe Biden has won the U.S. presidential election, many are worried that Taiwan-U.S. trade relations will be affected. But an economist from a local think tank says there's no need to worry. He points out that American technology giants Microsoft and Google have both set up shop in Taiwan, so the U.S. will endeavor to sustain ongoing bilateral trade to protect its own interests. He also points out that TSMC's impending investment in the U.S will further strengthen economic ties between Taiwan and the U.S. With Democratic candidate Joe Biden the winner in the U.S. presidential election, many are worried that export-orientated Taiwan will be affected in the future. But an expert from the Taiwan Institute of Economic Research says there's no need to worry. 
After the trade war, the US realised that China is not such a trustworthy partner. I believe that no matter which party is elected, it is now basically in America's interest to confront China. Taiwan's entire supply chain is now more autonomous and controllable than before the trade war. This will help boost Taiwan's economic growth in the medium to long term and will also be more beneficial to the strength of its exports. Indeed, any winning presidential candidate will put American interests first. Moreover, American technology giants Microsoft and Google have already invested in Taiwan, and a possible bilateral trade agreement would advance economic relations further. A U.S.-Taiwan BTA will actually deal with, for example, the protection of sanction rights and the lifting of relevant laws and regulations on restricted investments. From an economic and trade perspective, a U.S.-Taiwan BTA is actually within America's interests, whether Biden or Trump is elected. Both the Democratic and Republican parties have reached a consensus of welcoming foreign semiconductor firms to invest in the U.S. TSMC is expected to shell out $12 billion U.S dollars in Arizona to build a fab producing sophisticated 5 nanometer chips. If the scheme goes as planned, Taiwan-US technology cooperation will be boosted. When TSMC invests in the US and starts mass production, even though it won't be the highest-end semiconductor manufacturing, it will be closely related to and support the US defense industry. So this will help with interactions between Taiwan and the US and improve their relations. TSMC is helping to shore up the U.S.'s leading position in the semiconductor industry and is creating thousands of high-tech jobs. It is helping to protect Taiwan's relevance to U.S. business as the White House gets a new resident. On the eve of the virtual convening of the World Health Assembly on Monday, the World Medical Association has written to WHO Chief Tedros Ghebreyesus calling on him to grant Taiwan observer status in the assembly. Given that the association has a membership of more than 10 million doctors from 115 countries, a DPP lawmaker believes this appeal has enough weight to put pressure on the WHO and will be helpful in Taiwan's fight for international recognition. Dr. Frank Montgomery, the chair of the Council for the World Medical Association, which represents more than 10 million doctors from 115 countries, has written an open letter to the WHO Director General, Tedros Ghebreyesus. He is calling for Taiwan to take part in the World Health Assembly as an observer. The letter says the COVID-19 pandemic is proof that cooperation for and with all healthcare systems in the world is necessary. It adds we believe it is both cynical and counterproductive to continue excluding the health representatives from Taiwan from participating in the World Health Assembly and the technical meetings of the WHO. The World Medical Association and the Taiwan Medical Association have a friendly relationship. They also understand that Taiwan must share its best medical achievements with the world. Taiwan's performance has been outstanding, particularly during the time of COVID-19. These kinds of strong calls should put pressure on the WHO. At the end of last month, the European Parliament Committee also passed a report on the coronavirus pandemic, which has been an influence on EU foreign policy. It condemned countries for concealing important information in the early stages of the pandemic, as well as using the pandemic as an excuse to restrict human rights, undermine democracy and weaken the rule of law. 
The report even mentioned China by name and said it was using, quote, virus diplomacy to shape its image as a well-intentioned major power. It regretted China's isolation of Taiwan from the WHO and called on EU member states to support Taiwan's entry into the World Health Body. China has always adopted a one-China policy that says Taiwan is part of China. It has been using this rhetoric to lobby the World Medical Association, but hardly anyone in all the world's countries can accept this argument. A day before the virtual resumption of the WHA, voices of support from Taiwan's international friends are becoming increasingly stronger. Four more imported cases of COVID-19 were reported on Sunday. All four were asymptomatic, with two from the Philippines and the other two from Indonesia. This past week has seen 19 imported cases, the highest weekly figure since April. One case worthy, worth mentioning is number 577. The patient was tested five times before receiving a positive result. These days, whether people are in home quarantine or collective quarantine, we get some patients who first test negative and then test positive. They actually have a low viral load. Sunday's four new cases were either migrant workers or foreign students. The Central Epidemic Command Center says due to Taiwan's demand for migrant workers in the social welfare and industrial sectors, as well as the pandemic becoming dire overseas, imported cases continue to stream into the country. Fortunately, none of the cases have entered local communities. Last week in our Sunday special report, we met doctors who are making old-fashioned house calls. It's a relatively new service in Taiwan, and doctors who see patients right in their homes are a very small group, despite the high demand for them. Although the government wants more physicians to make house calls, the policies in place are set to discourage clinics from specializing in this type of care. Today, in part two of our report, doctors weigh in on why it's so hard to offer house calls in Taiwan's healthcare system. They also share insights on what can be done to support the practice. Today, Dulan Clinic physicians Yu Shangru and Lai Weiling are practicing the use of an electronic nasal pharyngoscope. An equipment supplier stands nearby, explaining how to use the scope and sanitize it. To provide their patients with better medical care and to hone their skills, good doctors are always investing in themselves. Their hard work and sacrifices don't often get noticed. Currently, Dulan Clinic offers three options for patients, in-clinic service, a mobile clinic, and in-home service. This scope is lightweight, making it suitable for use by the two doctors during house calls. Such medical equipment costs money, and few clinics are willing to make the investment. From a doctor's perspective, house calls are a loss-making business. The main reason comes down to the way the national health insurance system works. For example, a doctor making a house call can collect just over 1,500 NT from health insurance. But the doctors and nurses who accompany that doctor will receive no visitation fees from the system. On an average house call, a doctor will spend between 30 minutes and an hour at the patient's home. If you add in the travel time, a doctor can see three patients at most in one morning, receiving total compensation of around 4,000 NT. 
But if the doctor sees patients in his clinic, he can see 40 patients in one morning and receive more than 10,000 NT. Given the hard work and the low compensation, it's no surprise that doctors who try house calls often decide to quit. Why do we want to stop doing it? Because when we head out, there are three of us, a doctor, a nurse, and another person who drives. After a month, we have worn ourselves out, but we were only able to make 70 house calls and can only apply for less than 100,000 NT from the health insurance system. Whether it is a simple consultation or whether the visit involves great effort and a pile of equipment, the fee for every house call is fixed at 1,553 NT. Even if the patient is receiving hospital at home care, the fee per visit remains the same. There are some clinics that are willing to take on discharged hospital patients with serious conditions. As the burden on hospitals grow, these types of clinics can really help create infirmaries out of homes. These clinics need lots of advanced equipment, apparatuses and other things. The compensation they get now is probably only 20% of their costs. Clinics are also not compensated for additional examinations and testing. We often work with cancer-free patients who suffer from heart failure. We need to evaluate their heart functionality. We need to run blood tests to help the patient determine the level of functionality of their heart to get the numbers on their organ failure. This type of analysis is not covered by the health insurance system. Our revenue from basic Western medicine house calls in April was about 206,000 NT. Last month, there were no outpatient visits, and we earned a total of around 180,000 NT. The numbers Zhang Kaiping is referring to is the monthly fees his clinic receives from National Health Insurance. After a year of operations, this is the first time he has reported the clinic's finances. Roughly speaking, the total amount we can apply for is between 230,000 NT and 250,000 NT. We need to do an average, very consistent 6 to 7 visits daily in order to be able to apply for that much. Currently, we need to pay the doctors, one and a half administrative partners and two nurses. Amid policy disincentives and a range of limitations, more than half of registered home care clinics exist only in name. There are currently around 2,700 clinics registered with us as home care providers. Currently around 1,300 of those clinics are actually doing house calls. This gap may be due to scheduling issues. The house call service could happen to conflict with the needs of patients attending clinics. So when providing medical care, they have to make a choice. Given that clinics rely on NHI reimbursement for outpatient visits, house call doctors are few and far between. Those who offer them tend to do so outside of regular business hours, as a side gig. However, Dr. Zhang decided to focus on house calls, foregoing office hours altogether. In the beginning, I had a choice to make. I saw that under the current medical system, there were patients with very unstable conditions and nobody at home to take care for them. For example, there were terminally ill patients. There were patients who needed hospital at home care. We realized that if we wanted to help those people, we had to be tremendously flexible. Most doctors who want to participate in the house call program do so because they've tasted the fruit of their labor. That fruit is not money. Rather, it is the feeling after having made a house call. 
It is a sense of accomplishment far greater than that which they get from sitting in a hospital clinic. It reminds them of why they became a physician in the first place. For in-home care to thrive, Taiwan needs a health insurance system that incentivizes its service providers. Besides that, there must be closer coordination among the different specialists who care for housebound patients. Mr. Lee, 93, has Parkinson's disease. His 91-year-old wife has suffered numerous strokes. Currently, the elderly couple is being cared for by Dr. Zhang, physiotherapist Guo Wenyu, and nurse Tsai Yunjie. The physiatrist will visit our home and will teach us how they can exercise. She comes every week. Nurse Tsai comes once per month to change the nasogastric tube. Dr. Zhang and those with him come to check up on my parents' conditions. Like Mr. Lee and his wife, most patients who need house calls are the exact same people who need long-term care. We hope that through working with professionals, patients can recover some of their ability to perform everyday tasks. For example, if I get sick or suffer a stroke, I can use assistive devices or make adjustments to my living environment so that I can cook for myself and shower on my own. Long-term care specialists and medical doctors and nurses hail from different parts of the healthcare's organizational structure. They cross paths when caring for the same patient. To provide the best possible care for a housebound patient, long-term care specialists and standard medical professionals must work together closely. Since the government's long-term care 2.0 program went live in 2017, many more services have been offered to patients. As a result, there is a growing need for interaction between different medical professionals. Professionals in the field include occupational therapists, physiotherapists, speech therapists, nutritionists, psychologists and others. So the care could involve occupational therapy clinics, physiotherapy clinics, home care clinics and other centres. But a common problem faced is that every type of medical specialist does things differently without horizontal communication. As a result, looking after the same patient is an arduous exercise in collaboration. Despite having a limited income, Dulan Clinic has hired a long-term care specialist to join their team. The specialist works with Dulan's nurses to communicate with other long-term care providers in the hope of improving integration. Since we work with the elderly, there are many patients who have difficulty swallowing or they require training from a speech therapist. There are many who are undernourished, anemic, or who have insufficient protein intake. They require a nutritionist to help them make adjustments to the diet. Having one clinic that does in-home care very well won't help this field develop. This is related to the field as a whole. These people can work together. For example, home care clinics in long-term daily care organizations as well as hospitals. These people could form a network. 
Selamat pagi. Eh, apa soal? Eh, nanai, kita见面了。哦，阿弟也讲话嘞，阿奶不上水啊。别卡。哦。At present, the national healthcare system is not conducive to the development of in-home care. And specialists have to take it upon themselves to establish communication links with each other. Even so, there are house call doctors who put their aging patients first. They're willing to cross the high hurdles to provide health care in their patients' homes. Actually, what we are doing is affecting a monumental change. So what we are doing is making history. We are undertaking the work of creating a new model for long-term care. We believe that loss of body functionality is inevitable and that eventually we all leave this world. But we can make a decision. We can decide to help people at this stage of life, help them have a better quality life. We hope to help them to return to the state of living, to be with people they like, the people they love, and to be in the space they are familiar with until the very last moment. Home care is a solution for limited mobility and it can improve a patient's later years. Rather than spending one's final moments in a strange hospital room, it becomes possible to remain in the comfort of the home to stay with loved ones until the very end. While the weather on Sunday was nothing like the balmy and warm weather of the day before, residents in northern Taiwan woke up to much cooler temperatures as cold air brought in by northeasterly winds lowered temperatures by as much as 10 degrees. The windward side of the island will continue to see winds and rains for the better part of the coming week. In the wake of tropical storm Atsani, two more tropical disturbances have formed near the Philippines over the South China Sea. The Central Weather Bureau says tropical storm number 21 will form Monday at the earliest, but it won't have a direct impact on Taiwan. Its peripheral cloud system will bring light precipitation in central and southern regions.